One way you could think about supply chain is as an interdependent set of links in a chain, just like an old school fire department where you'd have a fireman passing a bucket of water to the next fireman along the chain until you got to the burning house, uh, which in this case could be a consumer product. What's up? Welcome to Same Same But Mini, a bite-sized version of our podcast where we explain the most talked about tech buzzwords, only a little bit faster than our full Same Same But Tech episodes. I'm Mohan, and today we are talking about supply chains. Do you ever wonder how things get put together, assembled into a final product, and delivered into your beautiful hands, well, whether those things are a computer or a car or even your dinner, that process that a company takes to produce and distribute a product to the ultimate end user or buyer is referred to as a supply chain. And a supply chain can be pretty complex. It usually involves a substantial network of people, processes, third-party companies, supplies, and even some automation to really get it right. Today, we are joined by one of the coolest people in the space and a very successful supply chain innovator. I will let him introduce himself. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm I'm Matt Salzberg, and I am the chairman of Blue Apron uh, and the founder, former CEO. And I also run an investment fund and venture studio called Material, which starts and systematically launches new businesses. So today we're going to learn about supply chain, which is a term I think we hear all the time, whether that's in retail, e-commerce, like Amazon, fashion, or uh, in Blue Apron's case, and even food. I was wondering if you can help us understand what supply chain is, but ideally using an analogy. You know, supply chain is a pretty broad set of concepts and, and ideas uh, that are in everything that happens in business, pretty much. I mean, you know, it's fundamentally how something gets produced and they call it supply chain for a reason because it's an interdependent set of um, suppliers, actions, um, producers, et cetera, to produce an end result. And so one of the ways to think about it is kind of like an old school you know, fire, fire station, fireman, uh, chain of people carrying a bucket of water you know, person to person uh, to reach that final step, which is a burning house, um, and to let it out. And each of those people in that chain is dependent upon the one before it to produce the final result. So, you know, in the case of Blue Apron, for instance, you could think about Blue Apron supply chain. Blue Apron works with hundreds of different suppliers from local mom and pop farms to, you know, logistics providers to our own um, FDA regulated manufacturing centers where we um, combine and process ingredients. And then, you know, all the way through to a FedEx uh, delivery company that might get it to an end consumer's home. And the interdependence of those components, the coordination of those components, and bringing that together to produce an end result is what many consumer and non-consumer companies depend upon, obviously, to, you know, to get their business results. For the people who don't know and aren't subscribers, can you give us a quick what is Blue Apron? Yeah, absolutely. So Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. We're an e-commerce business that um, delivers to people at home original recipes and all the ingredients you need to cook those recipes in exactly the right amount. 
from your perspective, why are A, supply chains something that's very important for companies, and B, why should we care as the end consumers? Well, your supply chain and the way you've set up your supply chain fundamentally determines what your product is. It fundamentally determines the cost of providing your product and what the service levels and expectations you could deliver to your consumers are. You know, I think in a lot of ways, Blue Apron was a re-envisioning of the grocery supply chain. Um, you know, which, in a, you know, if you think about a grocery store, that supply chain is designed around you getting certain items off of a shelf at a place you go to pick up. And um, all of the decisions that they made and how to assemble that are designed around that endpoint, getting products onto shelves in a grocery store. But what we were thinking is, hey, really what this is all about is cooking dinner at home, right? And so, you know, consumers aren't just looking to go to a grocery store and get a carrot, right? They want sauteed carrots with harissa sauce or something like that. And so there was a missing step there um, that we thought, hey, to make this consumer experience better and more affordable, um, we wanted to tie the end result of the product around a specific dinner. Then if you think about what's involved in that, one, we had to go out and bring all these ingredients together to the same place at the same time to get them to a consumer, had to portion them and package them differently in, in different quantities than a grocery store would because at a grocery store, you would go and have to buy like a whole uh, bag of something that might cost you a lot of money, not the right amount for your recipe. And so um, to make that happen, we had to rethink basically all the steps along the chain to get up to that final step. And so we had to um, you know, work with different and new suppliers, re-envision the way those things are distributed, getting to our centers, reportioning them, using different kinds of packaging and different kinds of shipping methods. And we ended up building a very just-in-time operating model because another key part of our value prop which our supply chain enables is that we offer different recipes every week, right? Mm -hmm. And so compare that to a grocery store, once again, where it's the same items on the shelf every week. They have a supply chain to enable that consumer offering. We have a supply chain that allows us to change every week every recipe we offer because we think it's important that people want diversity in what they eat. I mean, supply chain is interesting because it is literally, as you said, it's a chain. So with every step along the way, might have to change. Going back to your analogy, we said, hey, it's firemen taking a bucket of water. But say that end result is you want 10 bottles of water instead of one bucket. That could actually mean you have to reimagine that, that entire supply chain. And I think that's maybe what people don't necessarily appreciate or recognize is how much intricate, you know, it's, not, it's never just one thing. It's 10 steps, 20 steps, 30 steps that you have to think about and reimagine. Um, to your point also about people, I had a question around, again, to your, to your analogy, right? Eventually we figured out we don't need to hand off buckets, we can build a hose or we can build a fire hydrant. Right. So how do you think supply chain is evolving in that sense through automation or robotics or any sort of digital advances that are sort of taking that human element out of it? You know, certainly in certain applications, automation and robotics is great because it could provide a higher quality outcome at potentially a lower cost, but it also could be bad because it could be a higher cost, right? And actually in a lot of applications, humans are really good at those things and much better at those things than machines are. You know, if you look at um, an Amazon fulfillment center today, they still have humans fundamentally picking the orders. Um, there's a lot of equipment involved, uh, but, you know, humans are pretty good at picking orders uh, in a lot of cases. Now, now it's not the case in all applications, it's a little bit different in different situations. But the other thing you lose when you automate is flexibility. And so, you know, when you automate a task, 
it usually has to be for a very well-defined process that's looking to do something at high volume repetitively. Um, and for businesses that are evolving and changing their products or um, you know, um, need, need to be nimble because of changing conditions, automation can actually in some cases be problematic because it makes you less nimble and less flexible and less able to innovate quickly. So the, so the exact application really does matter a lot, um, but certainly you know, new technology does require you to reinvent your supply chain to think th through things. And one of the biggest challenges are, as we talked about in this chain concept, they are interdependent, right? So if you're launching a new product, it's not just that you could innovate on the product, but you also have to innovate on every step in the chain along the way to get it there to produce that product, whether it's changing the packaging, which requires a different piece of equipment in a fulfillment center somewhere, which requires a different kind of shipping method because of you know what it is or in a different kind of people process behind the scenes, and therefore maybe even a different kind of information system to track and manage that. What happened during this pandemic, right? I think we had runs on all kinds of products, you know, goods were missing from the supermarket shelves. Was that supply chain moments breaking or like parts of the supply chain breaking? It depends what you mean by breaking. Certainly there were um, stockouts at grocery stores around the country. And I think one of the complexities of supply chain is because there are a lot of interdependent parts of a system coordinating and planning along that system and coordinating all the links in the chain becomes a challenge. So demand planning and demand forecasting really weighs in on that. And when you have a big shock to the system, like a pandemic, and then all of a sudden everybody deviating from their historical purchasing behavior, buying different things and more of those different things, suddenly it takes time for traditional supply chains to react to that. So, you know, um, a grocery store might expect to only be selling you know, 10 cartons of eggs a day and um, has their supply chain set up to be able to deliver at that rate and that way. And if all of a sudden the demand is way in excess, it takes them time to, you know, fix that. All the way from having to change their orders with their distributor to having to maybe even grow more eggs, like, you know, hatch more eggs or find new suppliers or find more labor at the grocery store because the restocking is a big labor use, and they're not used to restocking the shelves from the back room as frequently. And so, you know, there it takes time to hire people. It takes time to produce more eggs. It takes time to do all of these things. And each step of the chain is dependent on the next one. And so it compounds the problem uh, when someone in the chain has an issue. You know, it, it impacts the next guy. That then that impacts the next guy, and it impacts the next guy. You know, and and the real root cause of that is that there was a big change in consumer behavior that wasn't anticipated and takes time to work through the system. In the future now, you're looking at all these kind of momentary markets where people see something, they're inspired, they want the product, they get it, it gets in their hands in an hour. What are your thoughts on how supply chain is evolving to manage that, to have that dynamic, quick response rate? Kind of leading me to a bigger question, which is if you're looking 30, 40, 50 years down into the future, what is your wildest predictions on utopian or dystopian? What's your view on like how is this all going to evolve in the future? Well, I can tell you a couple of things that are happening. In a lot of industries right now, middlemen are being cut out. Um, and so supply chains are flattening, which is a good thing because that cuts cost out and also allows people to coordinate more closely with each other, um, which you know helps with this information 
transmission and coordinating, especially from a demand planning perspective, which is one of the sources of inefficiency in supply chains if not done well. You know, marketplaces are emerging that make pricing more transparent and options more transparent for things like transit, which bring, should bring costs down and make markets more competitive. You know, and then there are all sorts of technology tools, some, some enabled by artificial intelligence, that improve demand planning and demand forecasting. For instance, if you could imagine a business being able to anticipate what you're going to order before you order it really precisely, they could deliver on some unbelievable capabilities in terms of speed and cost and quality. And so, you know, I think as those tools get better and improve and data is more available and shared in better and in different ways and, and AI could predict things better, you will you'll really see costs come down in supply chains and capabilities uh, go way up. That's crazy to think about having being able to be smarter about predicting what you're going to order or buy before it and preparing it. What do you think about provenance, provenance as it relates to supply chain? Meaning, do you think having transparency every step of the way is something that people are going to want, demand, it's going to be valuable? I think it depends on the market. Um, but yes, absolutely. And tracking those things is, is um, especially valuable in markets where it lacks today and there's like real problems because of it, right? So food is a great example where um, you know things get aggregated. It makes it really hard to separate out different quality tiers. For instance, you know if you're talking about I don't know commodity grains or um, you know big big pools of grain, you know it's being able to know that this particular kind of grain is grown with these special practices versus that kind of grain grown with another kind of practices or beef is another great example of that actually where you know beef gets aggregated in some cases into a commodity supply of beef where there's some really great growers of beef and some using less um, great practices either from a uh, humane perspective or a just quality of meat perspective and being able to separate out those things and track those things would enable completely different tiers of quality and pricing to exist in a market I do think that technology can help with that, but it's not just a technology problem. It's also a um, fundamental supply chain problem and a physical processes problem. And then if you actually go further into the root cause of those things, it's actually a consumer problem because consumers aren't demanding aggressively enough transparency in certain kinds of the supply chain that they're willing to pay enough for to drive businesses to separate out those things Sure. And, and invest in the right supply chain processes to make it happen. So, but I do think as a, as a general trend in the food industry, especially, you are seeing people compete, Blue Apron also compete, through premium products with provenance in the supply chain and high quality standards. And you see you know, opportunities like rating agencies, welfare standards, you know, different kinds of certifications that you can get uh, that's, that certify your supply chain. And um, people invest and, and pay costs in that because consumers do demand it in areas where it matters to them. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. I think what's really interesting is thinking about supply chain as an extension of personal or philosophical beliefs. Like if you think about human worker practices, you think about things like carbon neutral, you know, there's companies like Apple's announcing that they're doing changing up their entire supply chain for all of their products companies that want to go zero waste. It's very interesting to see supply chain react to consumer sentiment and belief. But I hear you in the sense that it kind of needs to start with the consumer, right? We need to show our preferences yeah. with our spending. 
is totally driven by consumers, and consumers are increasingly paying for what their values are. You see that in a lot of different areas, um, and are willing to pay for quality, um, you know, when it's what they care about. And so that that will definitely drive the reinvention of supply chains, and you've seen it already drive the reinvention of supply chains. And that, that I think that's the start of it all. Supply chain, what is it? Well, you can think of it like an old school fire department where the firemen and women would pass buckets of water, human to human, along a chain until it got to the fire. Maybe supply chain is not something you think about all the time when you buy or use a product, but it is a pretty fundamental, interdependent, and often quite complex part of getting that product into your hands. And as Matt mentioned, if we want to see change in more companies' supply chain practices to be more sustainable, ethical, environmentally friendly, or whatever you believe in, it's really on us as consumers to show that commitment through our buying behavior and our spending. Today's episode was written and hosted by me, Mohan Zanuzi, produced by Corrine Javier and Lee Schneider, exec produced by Steph Wolf, music by Uvra. Thank you to our guest, Matt Salzberg. You guys can find more Same Same on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your ear candy. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Spread love. This episode was brought to you in part by BCG Digital Ventures. BCGDV builds revolutionary new businesses with the world's most influential corporations. Learn more at bcgdv.com. Why did you call it Blue Apron? So we called Blue Apron Blue Apron because chefs around the world wear blue aprons when they're learning to cook. And so for us, it's a symbol of lifelong learning and cooking.